I'm Mary Byers, and this is Associations Today. The American Dental Association has started a conversation that I think is extremely important for many of the organizations that I work with, especially those who have linked or federated memberships. The American Dental Association is tripartite, which means when a dentist joins, he joins at the local, state, and national level. And this 360-degree experience has a lot of strengths, but there's also some challenges. Chief among those is duplication of efforts and, in essence, competition for members' time and energy. My guest today is Dr. Kathleen O'Loughlin, Executive Director of the American Dental Association, and she's going to share with us a little bit about the power of three. Welcome, Kathy. Well, thanks, Mary, for having me here. My pleasure. You've started an extremely important conversation within the tripartite, and I'd love to find out a little bit about the background and the genesis of what prompted that conversation. Well, we had issues around retaining members, as all associations did during the Great Recession. Um, our market is growing by about 1% a year, and yet our market share is declining, which means we're not keeping up with the growth of the market of dentists. And membership is incredibly important to us because without a strong professional organization, uh, our profession would not have the benefit of what we have to offer, which is to basically help them succeed in their careers. So membership is very important, and when we saw the market share decline, it began to generate some new thinking around what would it take to keep member growth in tune with the market. And that's not always an easy conversation to have, though, because when you have three levels, you've got three levels of support. Um, Many of your your states are staffed. Your locals are staffed. So it's really a question um, about efficiency, but it can be a hard conversation to get started. So why don't you walk us through what you've done to date and how you've gotten the conversation going? Well, the first step was to provide all the states and local societies with data because nothing speaks louder than the facts. So first we had to present the brutal facts to the states and the local societies, then encourage them to think about what would it take for us to grow membership since the primary touch point is at a very local level. And most of our local societies are not staffed. Over 300 of them exist and less than a third of them have actual uh, human beings to help recruit and retain members. And we rely heavily on local volunteers. So. What would it take to support them, and how could we enable a member to receive high-quality value, high-quality service, and a better member experience at, regardless of where they touch us? It could be at the national level or the state or the local level. From a member's perspective, they don't care. What they need from us should be accessible at, regardless of who they call and, and who they're asking to help solve their problem. So where are you in the process? You started with data. Uh, I know that you've had a couple of stakeholders meetings where you've brought uh, uh, staff members, leaders together uh, to further the conversation. Uh, where are you in the whole process, and how have you created a safe environment? Well, we followed John Cotter's recommendations around change management, basically following those steps. First, to create an urgency around what the problem is, which is the lack of member growth. Then we convened several stakeholder meetings where we brought in large uh, representation from the local, state, and national level and had a conversation about what would it take to turn this around and what could we do together collectively that would be more powerful and more impactful than any one of us could do on our own. That started to generate a lot of great discussion around how we could work together 
to um, minimize the fragmented experience that members often have in a tripartite type of organization. And one of the things to come out is actually an open letter from leaders to members. And you're, you're basically saying that you're committed to creating a seamless member experience and that whichever level is the best at, at offering or, or serving a member should be the one that does it. And it shouldn't matter who that level is or what that level is, just so that the member experience is a good one. And that's a great concept. But what happens when you start getting into territorial issues or when people start feeling threatened? I think you bring up a great point. The open letter was just the first step, and that came out of a board retreat in February where they generated some underlying principles upon which we will work together. The underlying premise is built on trust. If we don't win the trust of the local and state societies, this tripartite uh, kind of rethinking and the new paradigm shift to all of us working independently of each other, to all of us working together in partnership, would not be possible. So the very first step after generating these broad principles would be to really begin to build a trust relationship with each level of the society. And that means giving us each permission to be candid and honest about what the relationship is currently, what is our vision for the future, and to make that vision of the future very clear to everyone, you know, crystallizing what could be. And so that was the power of three open letter. It crystallized that vision without getting into the specifics of how we would do it. And now the discussion is more actionable. What are we going to do together? What are the specific opportunities that we can use to leverage these three levels to be more powerful in terms of the member experience. And so we've got three general ideas. One is to convert all of us to a single technology platform. We are moving the entire association, ultimately we hope, uh, to a single platform and we're using the Aptify uh, association management software. The second step is to develop some quick wins in terms of member growth. What can we do together to help uh, members see the value and to develop a better experience? So we're talking to the states now about how can the ADA and the state and the local society develop growth strategies where we each carve out a role for how we can help each other. So if you're ADA, it would be how could we help the state? I'm, I'm kind of making this up, but how could we help um, Idaho grow their membership? What could ADA do to support that work? And it puts the ADA more into a client service perspective rather than we are duplicating state efforts. So this is kind of the shift in the nationals thinking about what role do we play? Are we there to lead the states or are we there to support the states in their efforts? Or do we backfill? Are we the back office for states that are smaller and have less capacity to do certain things around growing membership. So, Mary, I think the important thing is is this clarity around role and responsibility that's evolving. And that's an ongoing dialogue. We just had a conversation today with leaders from the state and local societies around how do we take action together and what should those actions be. Well, I'm seeing a lot of national organizations that are really now defining their purpose as dual. So it, it, you know, certainly member service and member value is extremely important, but 
supporting the chapters that support them or, or the states and locals that support them. So really, um, it, it's kind of a dual responsibility. But another piece of it is uh, possibly the elimination of some duplication. So uh, can you think of an example of where there's some duplication of services that might offer an opportunity for your organization and others like you to streamline? Oh, sure. There's lots of opportunities because I see duplication of effort, uh, even within a state. Components often duplicate what the state does, and then often ADA duplicates what the state is most proud of. So coming to some agreement, and this is the pain point you mentioned a few minutes ago. You know, loss is always painful. And when you stop doing things because they're duplicative, uh, you know, whoever gives it up is going to experience a sense of loss. And that is an emotional trigger that we have to get around and manage. So, for example, duplication of effort happens uh, around very simple things like find a dentist or CE offerings or, um, you know, the type of social events that ADA would convene versus what a state or a local chapter would convene. Um, things like uh, new dentist programming. Uh, who offers the best leadership development program? Who offers the best master's or, or certificate in practice management program? Uh, who offers the public website resource? So, for example, many states have their own way of communicating to the public. Several of them have said, we don't have the resources that the ADA has. Their public website, melthhealthy.org, better meets our needs. We're going to use it instead of building our own. Uh, website development. Uh, do 52 constituent societies need to develop their own websites or could ADA help them with that. If um, they have a better website, how do we copy their best practice? So there's multiple small ways we're seeing duplication of effort, uh, especially around some of the affinity endorsement programs. You know, how many endorsed credit cards does a dentist need and who does them best? Who gets the best deal for the dentist? Um, and at the same time, we need to remember members like choice. Members want to make that decision about where they get the best value so we have to always keep in mind they want choice and we need to mitigate or minimize duplication of effort that waste resources. And somewhere between those two is the sweet spot we have to achieve. And we do it by talking to each other. And as we wrap up here, I want to touch on something incredibly insightful that you said, and that is the whole idea of loss. Because that, that seems to be kind of a touchy-feely concept when you go into a conversation. Um, but it's a, it's an important piece of, of what's happening because part of what may be lost in this conversation is culture, tradition, how we've always done things, comfort level. Uh, we have members that have been members for a long time and their expectations are that services and products are going to be delivered a certain way. Um, so if you had just one piece of advice to wrap up with for another association executive, uh, what should that individual going into a conversation that says potentially loaded, but also uh, potentially promising for the future of the organization, what should he or she be keeping in mind and, and what's your best advice in terms of getting a conversation like this started? I think key points to remember would be, one, always keep the best interests of the member in the center of your thinking. It's the member first, organization second. And the second piece of advice I would be is to tolerate um, the denial and the anger that comes with change. There is something called a change curve, and people move through change at their own pace. And I think as the change champions uh, move change forward, you have to be tolerant of those folks who don't jump on as fast as others and, and be willing to listen 
and and active listening to hear their concerns and not dismiss them. So those two would be my big suggestions. Keep the member in the center and tolerate uh, people's discomfort with change. It's hard, and given time, generally people move through the change curve successfully. Wonderful. That's great advice, Dr. Laughlin. Thank you so much for joining me. 